the West Indies squadron lay off Bridgetown, sheltered from the northeast trade wind and basking in the brilliant sun. It was a diminished squadron, consisting of little more than the ancient irresistible, wearing the flag of Sir William Pellew, red at the fore, and two or three battered, worn-out, undermanned sloops, together with a storeship and a transport, for all the seaworthy vessels were far away in the Atlantic or Caribbean, looking for the possible French or American men of war and the certain privateers, numerous, well-armed, well-handled, full of men, swift sailing and eager for their prey, the English and allied merchant ships. Yet, although they were old, weather-worn and often iron-sick, they were a pleasant sight, lying there on the pure blue sea, as outwardly trim as West Indies spit and polish could make them, with paint and putty disguising the wounds of age and their bright work all ablaze. And although some of them had suffered so from fever in Jamaica and on the Spanish main that they could scarcely muster hands enough to win their anchors, there were still plenty of men, both officers and foremast jacks, who were intimately acquainted with the ship that was beating up against the steady breeze and with many of the people in her. She was the Surprise, a twenty-eight-gun frigate that had been sent to protect the British whalers in the South Seas from the Norfolk, an American man-of-war of roughly equal force. The Surprise was even older than the Irresistible. Indeed, she had been on her way to the Breaker's Yard when she was suddenly given the mission. But unlike her, she was a sweet sailor, particularly on a bowline, and if she had not been towing a dismasted ship— she would certainly have joined the squadron a little after dinner. As things were, however, it was doubtful whether she would be able to do so before the evening gun. The Admiral was inclined to think that she might manage it, but then the Admiral was somewhat biased by his strong desire to know whether the surprise had succeeded in her task, and whether the vessel she had in tow was a prize captured in his extensive waters— or merely a distressed neutral, or a British whaler. In the first case, Sir William would be entitled to a twelfth of her value, and in the second, to nothing whatsoever, not even to the pressing of a few seamen, for the South Sea whalers were protected. He was also influenced by his ardent wish for an evening's music. Sir William was a large, bony old man, with one forbidding eye and a rough, determined face. He looked very much the practical seaman, and formal clothes sat awkwardly upon his...